Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Self-Help Witch, the podcast dedicated to supporting your self-development and spiritual growth. I'm Dana, I'm an astrologer, teacher, and mystical explorer on a quest to create community for women who are tired of people-pleasing and playing by everyone else's rules. Join me as we explore the magical and mundane approaches to embracing your authentic self, stepping into your power, and living a meaningful life whatever that means to you. Welcome. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Self-Help Witch. I'm so excited that you're here. We are digging into the astrology of February this episode. We're back with my friend Lynette from Cosmic Moves. We've got a really useful forecast episode for you today seeing as there's not a lot happening astrologically in february especially relative to what's going on in march holy shit there's a lot happening in march (laughs) march has these really big ingresses with saturn moving into pisces pluto moving into aquarius and there's something else i'm forgetting so there's a lot going on but suffice it to say we don't need to worry about that yet we are focused on february So Lynette and I are digging into Pisces energy today because we will be starting Pisces season around February 18th. We are also talking about Venus moving into Aries, which is happening just a few days after the start of Pisces season. We'll talk briefly about Mercury's movement into Aquarius and lunar returns, what they mean, what you can gain from them, and how to kind of create your own personal lunar cycle using the astrology of the moment or your natal moon placement. So before we dig into the episode, I just want to say thank you for being here. If you're new, you can find me on Instagram at selfhelpwitch. I haven't been too like active on socials lately because I am just two weeks away from my due date. I'm about to have a baby. It is so crazy, you guys. I feel like this pregnancy has totally flown by. This is my first child, and I'm really excited to meet this kid. It's been kind of kind of crazy to think that this part of the journey is almost over, though. I'm looking forward to just finding out what it's like to be a mom. I'm excited to actually go through the birth process. I know a lot of people... Maybe aren't excited about that part, but it's something I've always wanted to do. So I'm super excited about it. And yeah, I'm going to be taking some time away, not just to figure out like how to be a mom, but also I'm kind of recalibrating self-help witch a little bit at this time. I'm finishing up my year two astrology course with Nightlight Astrology. I've talked a lot about Adam my astrology teacher who runs Nightlight. I was actually on his YouTube channel back in July. In this year two course that I am about to finish up, we have been learning about zodiacal releasing, which I, again, am learning about. So by no means an expert on this technique, but I'll share here, it's a timing technique. And what it does is it breaks down your life into these segments of time that are ruled by particular planets and therefore bring up certain house topics at a given moment in time. And at this particular moment, I am in a 12th house P 
period. And I'm feeling that deeply, you know, when retrograde season was over, I was looking forward to like having the clarity and just not feeling retrograde anymore. This was really like January 18th, right, is when Uranus went direct and finally everything was direct. I didn't feel direct. I still felt in the depths of something like I was still kind of murky and I was really grateful to be learning about zodiacal releasing because it kind of explained to me why I'm in a 12th house moment right now. And there's a lot that's coming up for me that feels shadowy. And when we say the word shadow, doesn't it feel like scary? <laughs> it feels like there's something inherently frightening, perhaps. That might be too strong of a word, but it's not something most of us are excited to engage with. But what I'm realizing as I am being presented with what I would call shadow material is it's not inherently good or bad. It is actually the blind spot. It's the things you don't see. And I'm being presented with things that bothered me that I didn't realize bothered me. Things that I don't really like doing anymore that I kind of just got in the routine of doing. And so again, it's just like these blind spots that I'm becoming aware of. And I am really grateful for that because... I want to know what those things are before I'm thrust into motherhood in two weeks. Not that we're ever done recognizing our blind spots, but I've been really trying to sit with this 12th house moment that I'm in and let it unfold what it's trying to unfold for me. Because very soon, I'm going to be a lot busier than I ever have been, and I'm going to have a lot of other things on my mind. With what I'm doing with self-help, which I really want to make sure that I'm moving forward in an authentic, aligned way, because that's what self-help, which is all about. It's about embodying your authentic nature and living in your truth. And I feel like if I'm not taking time periodically to check in with that, then what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> right? So all that to say... I'm a little more quiet these days on the old gram, the old Instagram, and definitely on TikTok. Very hit or miss on TikTok, but I am here. I am going to be publishing episodes twice a month, even through my maternity leave when I'm going to be focused on bonding with my baby. But I do have episodes lined up for us. A lot of really amazing ones as well. So I'm so excited to share those with you. Please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're published on all major podcast platforms. And if you love the podcast, please leave a review. It really helps us get found and it helps me know what you like and what you want to hear more about. And if you really, really, really love self-help, which please share if you know someone who you think would love this show. Now, without any further ado, Let's get into the episode with Lynette about the astrology of February 2023. Welcome, everybody, to our February forecast episode. I'm Lynette of Cosmic Moves Astrology, and I am with my astro BFF, Dana. Oh, yeah, I'm Dana. <laughs> I was just, oh, like, yeah, oh, I'm astro BFF. Wow. You are my astro BFF. You're mine. 
So, feelings mutual. I'm Dana from Self Help Witch, and uh, yeah, we are here to talk about the Astro for February 2023. It's gonna be great, I think. It's gonna be pretty mellow. It's kind of the well. I always think of this. Do you remember that website that was like English.com, which is not politically correct now, but it was like no. all these like bad translations. It was like many many years ago. But there was, one of my favorite ones was this tote bag that said, the clam before the storm. And <laughs> I always, it had a picture of a, of a clam on it. And I was going to say that February is the calm before the storm, but it's not really a storm. It's just like more energy, right? Like it's not good or bad. Right. So it's my optimistic outlook. It's just lots of shifts. <laughs> the clam before the shifts. Yes. That's the title of this episode. <laughs> I love that. The clan yes. before the shift. So since we're new at this, we've only had one month under our belts. <laughs> we're going to start a new tradition and pull a card, which is the theme for the month or a card to support you as you're navigating the clam. <laughs> I should not have said that because now it's continuing. No, I love it. I love it. Okay. So I am pulling from the... There Are No Coincidences Manifestation Deck by Eliza Kelly. And whether you're listening to this at the beginning of February or any time, just know that this card is for you. And take what resonates, leave the rest. And Dana, tell me when to stop shuffling so you okay. are part of this. I'm enjoying the shuffle ASMR. <laughs> okay, now. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. This card technically just jumped out when I told you when to shuffle and then I put it back and then you stopped it right at this. So that is wild. So this is the Crossroads card, which I think is oh. really interesting, especially because it came up twice. It like really wanted to come through for us today. And it's part of the thresholds category, which I appreciate. So you've reached an intersection. A junction, a fork in the road, one of the most symbolic and allegorical spaces. It doesn't just represent options, it signifies choice. And I really like that because I think that is my, and probably your, I'm going to put words in your mouth, Dana, philosophy around astrology, right? Like astrology is purely about giving us choices and information that we can decide what to do with it. So Ooh. this card comes around when it's time to make a decision. A turning point in your narrative. So perhaps the appearance of this card reflects a necessary change. You've been presented with multiple options and now you need to choose which route is best. At the end of the day, remember this decision is yours and yours alone. There are no shortcuts, detours, or alternate routes. Lace up your sneakers and continue the course. You're ready. I love that too because we are in February entering Pisces season, which to me also feels like threshold energy. You know, it's the last sign of the zodiac right before Aries season when we get that springtime, the fresh start. Mm -hmm. So anytime you are in that space, there is a leaving behind, which is a kind of a choice that you have to make. So that's yeah. appropriate on many levels. Yeah, it's either choosing comfort and staying where you're at and like maybe not choosing the road less traveled which might be harder and sometimes that's okay and sometimes that's what we need or it's 
choosing the other way. Or maybe there are multiple paths to choose. But yeah. I think just knowing that we have a choice is very empowering. We always have a choice, regardless of the situation that we're in, because we always have a choice with how we react to stuff. So, a hundred percent. I love that. Fancy. I love this new segment. Okay, what's next, Dana? <laughs> well, next up, we are getting into the zodiac seasons that we will encounter in February. And for February, we've got Aquarius season, which is how we'll begin. And then we'll be moving into Pisces season as of, I want to say the 18th, but I might be wrong about that. I'm double checking. The 17th of February is when Pisces season begins. Exciting. We're rounding out the astrological year. Yes. Yes. We are coming to a close. And I thought that last month you did a really great job as a native Aquarian talking about what <laughs> Aquarius is all about. No, I'm serious. It was like, I, I loved the way you phrased what Aquarius energy is like and the gifts that it has. Can you remind us a little bit about the archetype? I have no idea what I said, so I may or may not... <laughs> Repeat it. <laughs> I think Aquarius, like if we're talking about the bare bones, stereotypical, I'm an Aquarius and this is what my t-shirt says. It's about like being unique or letting your freak flag fly, not following the crowd and mm -hmm. all of that stuff, which as a native Aquarian, I was like, um, no, thank you. I'm a Virgo rising. I follow all the rules. Like that is not Moa. But... I have learned that I do that in other ways. I mean, even just being an astrologer, right? That's not necessarily like mainstream. And it's in a lot of ways, Aquarius is about like higher level thinking. It's about not the day to day, but really letting your thoughts and imagination is a Pisces word, but like it's the genius. It's like thinking about things in a way that nobody has ever thought about it before. It's also that 30,000 foot view that allows you to be detached so that you can kind of see the big picture and put things together in different ways, which can sometimes lead to Aquarius energy seeming a little like standoffish where people might feel like maybe it's a little cold or not as warm as some of the other signs, but we're people too. You just have to like get to know us. So... What else about Aquarius? Oh, the observer and the data collector of the Zodiac. Like, very much can stand in a corner and put things together and, like, figure out who's who, what's going on. Like, scientist kind of vibes. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I think that's just such an empowering way to think about Aquarius, especially because we're inundated with stereotypes and, yeah, it's a good thing to be able to stand back and observe because most of us, I, well, I'll speak for myself, but we get caught up in our own subjective versions of reality and it, Aquarius is good at, yeah, detaching, as you said. So I love that. Well, and I think that's the other side of the, um, what is the word? Like humanitarian, right? That's another mm. term, like the collective and all of that stuff. But one of the Aquarian jokey mantras that I resonate with, but like, please don't take offense, anybody. <laughs> it's, loves humanity, hates humans, right? So mm -hmm. I care about the whole, I want to contribute to the whole, I, you know, am in touch with being one in kind of like an Aquarian Piscean way. But for me personally, that detached piece is, is very strong. Like I'm very introverted and very much a homebody. So like, give me animals. 
<laughs> any day of the week. But like in all seriousness, like that detachment is important for me to recharge and just like not feel overwhelmed. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, like, so for all the Aquarian placements out there, don't let meme culture make you feel bad about that. Like that's yeah. just, it's, it makes sense that you would, that would refresh you and rejuvenate you. So live your best yes. life. Yeah. And next month we'll talk about your personal experience as a native Piscean. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am excited to talk about that. And we will have Pisces season beginning this month. So give us your snippet. Yeah, let me let me tell you about it. Um, and then next month I'll be like, remember exactly what you said and you'll be like, no. <laughs> I'll be able to since we're recording it immediately after this. But That's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, you know, like you, I at least what I heard was you said you didn't always like resonate necessarily with Aquarius as your sun sign. And I've talked about that before with Pisces for me. I have a, a lot of placements in Pisces. My North Node, Mercury, Venus, and Sun are all there. And I also was like, mm, this whole like dreamer, like hippie flower child, like not me. I never really felt like that was me. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But I'll say that like Pisces is so much more than that. I always like to think about the planets that are at home and exalted in the signs that we're talking about. So in this case with Pisces, Jupiter is the ruling planet, Neptune is the modern ruling planet, and Venus is exalted. So if we're looking from like a traditional astrology standpoint, you've got the two benefics that do well in this sign. And that is awesome. <laughs> and not that, you know... Aquarius is any less because Saturn rules it. It's not good or bad. It just is kind of nice like that we've got this planet that makes things cohesive and then this planet that helps us relate. They both do well here. But to me, Pisces is really about the subconscious. It's about going deep into the psyche and making those watery connections with your emotions and your imagination and what's possible. So it's this, it is dreamy, but it's not like the ethereal mermaid aesthetic dreamy. It's like the very deep subconscious archetypal realm. What can we gather from those depths then bring back to the surface? It's that kind of like really deep, powerful dreaming. That's, I think, like the best way to think about Pisces for me. I'm speechless because that was very deep and powerful. Looking <laughs> like a true Pisces. Yes. Well, but you you didn't go on and on. So that's good. <laughs> I tried. I felt like I did, actually. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah. No, when you were speaking, what you were talking about also reminded me a lot of Scorpio, like in terms of the depth and the subconscious. But I think for me, the beauty of Pisces, and I think where a lot of Pisces energy oftentimes feels a little like out of this world is because, as you said, Pisces is the last sign of the zodiac. It contains all of the signs of the zodiac that come ahead of it. So for people with a lot of Pisces energy, those people with all of that energy and the signs before are like, oh my gosh, you're so relatable. Like you get me. Mm -hmm. But then nobody gets the Pisces, right? Because yep. like only other Pisces contain all of those other signs like in the same way. So I feel like for Pisces, there's also this element of like, that's the otherworldliness or like, the mystical or whatever, where it's just a little bit different 
in in that sense. A hundred percent true. That like spoke deeply to my lived experience. <laughs> Do you know Dinosaur Junior, the band? It's like an older band. No. I'll, I'll send it to you, but it's this song called I Feel the Pain and the line they repeat over and over again is I feel the pain of everyone and then I feel nothing. And it's the most Pisces shit I've ever heard in my life. Like, <laughs> it is so, um, that's the thing. It's mutable water. So yeah. the boundaries are eroded AF and that can be great because it allows you to have this really deep empathy, but then it can also be really hard. And that's where that escapist sort of yeah. like, I need to kind of de detach, yeah. like I need to get, to separate and it can cause us to want to run away. So it's really important for Pisces to, to be aware of that Pisces yeah. placements. Well, and if we're thinking about the order of the signs, you know, that detachment of Aquarius comes before the complete dissolution of all the boundaries, all the borders, you know, Aquarius is ruled traditionally by Saturn. So it's that focus on boundaries and stuff. And then <laughs> in comes Pisces that just washes it all away. So I think that's good to know. And just, when you're thinking about the signs, I, I oftentimes think it's really helpful to think about the evolution from one to the other, yeah. because it really tells a story that helps you to actually connect the dots and understand how it all fits together. Yeah. Context, baby. Yes. Well, should we get into the key moments of February? Let's do. I'm excited. I am too, because we're talking about my ruling planet, Venus. Yay, Venus. So two main things we're talking about here with Venus. Venus is going to conjoin Neptune on February 15th. Hello, Valentine's Day vibes. We'll get there, but it's going to be great. Also, that's the due date for my baby. Just want to like throw that out there. It's going to be amazing. And Venus is entering Aries, which is a very different vibe. That's happening February 20th. So Lynette. <laughs> what do you think about Venus conjoining Neptune? What are your thoughts? I think that this is, speaking of dreams, at a very simple level, it's beautiful dreams, <laughs> right? Yeah. Venus is all about beauty and pleasure, and Neptune is all about the dream. And I think Venus moves a little bit more slowly than Mercury. So when we talk about Mercury transits, they're like, Boop, you have three hours to... <laughs> like work with this energy but the venus energy will probably be like three days as it gets closer and then actually conjoins with it and steps away and i think it's just a really nice time to let yourself fall into the dream or like fall into what's beautiful for you conjunctions we don't talk about them a lot i don't think in terms of like good or bad, which there is none in astrology. But when we're talking about aspects, like people are like, oh, a square is challenging and an opposition is hard and a trine is flowing, right? But we don't usually assign kind of a value judgment to conjunctions. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think it's number one, because they don't necessarily show up when you're looking at a chart, like as a symbol, like you just have to know where the planets are. But number two, I think they can both be the easiest and the hardest because it depends on which planets are involved. We're literally fusing two energies together and sometimes those energies are going to work together and sometimes they aren't. In this case, I think Venus and Neptune support each other really well. Some people say that Neptune is just a higher octave of Venus, so they're kind of in the same family. And this is just magical and pretty. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think that there's a lot of beauty to be found. You know, back to the idea that Venus is exalted in Pisces. We talked about this a little bit with our January talk that this is a really great moment for Venus when it's in Pisces because it's lifted up. It's like put on a pedestal. And if we think about why, you know, again, everything we said about Pisces being sort of limitless and able to like really go into the depths of feeling and imagination and what is beautiful. Well, that's what Venus is all about too. It's all about, I want to use the word aesthetics, but that makes it seem so surface level. But think about aesthetics on like the deepest possible level you could, right? Like what is beautiful on a spiritual level, not just like physically attractive and harmonious. There's something about relationships always when we're talking about Venus. And Neptune is that transcendent quality. It dissolves just like Pisces. So you've got these three kind of energies of Neptune, Venus, and Pisces all coming together. And they're all similar in their own way. Like they have some really important key similarities that are allowing us to like make really beautiful connections. I think that's the catchphrase I would use is beautiful connections, revelry, like just embracing and enjoying the moment and getting really swept away in it in a great way, not in a destructive way. Although I guess that's always a potential with like, I always say Neptune, it's a mixed bag for me. It can be that kind of spiritual transcendence or it can be like getting blacked out. Like, and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here, but like. No, but it's the escapism, right? Like regardless of if it's alcohol, drugs, TV, Instagram, I think that's the shadow side of this aspect is I'm thinking of like, almost a Venus Jupiter but like too much yeah of a good thing or like letting yourself go too much so something to look out for with this but also I think we talk a lot about relationships with Venus for good reason but Venus also the glyph of it looks just like a mirror so I think when we're talking about relationships the most important one is with ourselves and I think when you were talking about the potential for transformation. This is almost like one of those Pluto transits that maybe you don't want to have because you know it's like forced transformation and you have to like go with it. Otherwise, Pluto is going to drag you. But this is like choosing to have a beautiful transformation. This is like the moment where the butterfly comes out of the cocoon. like, (laughs) And it's she's beautiful. Pluto is like the black goo this Venus Neptune is like the beautiful butterfly. (laughs) And so if you are looking to change something as it relates to your environment or your relationships, or when you were talking about aesthetics and like going deeper, it immediately made me think of neuroaesthetics and how what we choose to wear impacts how we behave and how we show up and how we feel. And to me, that's super powerful because it's not just about the fabric, right? Like it, it literally changes how you show up in the world. So great time to play around with like your wardrobe or your makeup or your like house design or like any of that stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And as always look at where Pisces is in your birth chart for house topics. And that can give you a more specific place to kind of like filter this energy through, but that's a really great suggestion. Valentine's Day is about to be lit. Yes, so dreamy. Now we've also got Venus moving into Aries. Mm-hmm. 
That Venus, she's a speedy lady. I know. Like barely a month she'll be in Pisces. So yeah, it's a it's a very different energy. It is. I think all of the things that we just talked about with Venus in terms of beauty, aesthetic, self-reflection. Venus is also where we manifest our own self-worth, what we value. So when I think about Venus and Aries, that's kind of where I naturally gravitate. It's like, okay, you know how I feel about New Year's. We did a whole thing about that last month. But this is just another opportunity to start fresh. If you feel like you need to revamp your self-worth or your personal values, any of that stuff, your self-esteem, if you're working on manifestation, any of that holding up the mirror to yourself kind of stuff. Aries is the first sign of the zodiac, so you automatically are like, fresh slate, yay. But also Aries is like the initiating sign. Like, I'm going to start something new, and I'm going to pioneer, and I'm going to lay the groundwork. So I think that is a great opportunity to do that. It is. It is. And, you know, not to be like the womp womp, because I'm not trying to. You can be the womp womp. (laughs) You know, the flip side, I guess, is that when you, and this is just naturally how it is, when you are focusing on yourself in that way, you naturally are going to have less energy maybe focused on relating and harmonizing and things like this. So we talk about Venus being in detriment. It's in the opposite sign of its home sign Libra. That's why it's in detriment, quote unquote. And I'll say this every time I talk about detriment and fall, I'm not saying there are no strengths to a Venus in detriment. There are, and what Lynette just said, nailed it. Like you can really know what you want and what you value. The flip side of that though, is it <laughs> might make harmonizing with other people a little more challenging. And so that's the where we need to find some balance with Venus and Aries is, okay, I'm getting very clear on what I want, what my boundaries are, what I wanna do differently. And how does that fit within the dynamics that are valuable to me? Yeah, there's a reason why Aries and Libra are opposites, right? They're both about our connection to self, really, just Libras through others. But when we're at a very basic level, Aries is me, Libra is us. And so there's that opposition where Aries very much is like, put your own oxygen mask on first. I think the key words for Aries is me first. And it's not, again, to your point, not in a bad way. It's literally like me first. I'm going to be the first person to do this. I'm going to be the first person to, you know, cross that boundary or do that thing. But because we're talking about Venus, who is so tied to relationships, this is a great time to to consciously have those conversations in your relationships to say, hey, I need to focus on XYZ. Like just today, I was like, you know what? I'm spending too much time on my phone in the mornings. I need to tell my mom and my boyfriend that I'm not going to call them or text them until like after my morning routine because that's how I get sucked in. (laughs) So that's like, to me, a perfect example of Venus and Aries being like, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to express my own values to myself. I value a healthy morning routine where I'm not scrolling on Instagram and I'm going to share that information with the people that I love so that they can support me in that. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Communication is key. So much easier said than done. Agreed, 100%. Especially especially if you're a recovering people pleaser and you're worried about what people are going to... Just say it. Just just say it. Just do it. It is easier said than done. But um, yeah, I think that's a lovely way to honor Venus and Aries. And it will only be there until March 16th. 
So this is a limited time vibe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other thing we didn't talk about with Aquarius season is Mercury will be moving into Aquarius briefly yeah. until March 2nd, I believe. So again, not going to be there for very long, but that Aquarian energy of detachment and Aquarius being ruled by Saturn, which is your boundaries, is really supportive to you and your communication, which is Mercury, to actually share those topics with the people that you want to or with yourself. But whether you're talking to yourself or other people, (laughs) Mercury and Aquarius will support you to get the bigger picture and the perspective and help you kind of gather your thoughts around that. That's great advice. And that begins, or Mercury enters Aquarius on 2-11. So about, what did we say? Like a week before Venus enters Aries. So we got a good week of Venus and Pisces with Mercury and Aquarius, and then it'll shift. So probably around mid to end month, you're going to want to start communicating those insights you're, yep. you're getting. What else do we have? Well, I want to talk about your solar return Uh, and your lunar phase return. There's a lot happening for you in February. Yes, it is my personal new year. Who cares about January 1st? (laughs) (laughs) And you are also having a lunar phase return that's exact. So you guys, Lynette was born on a full moon. So her moon is in Leo. And the full moon that's happening on February 5th in Leo is at the same degree as her natal moon, which I think is really special and interesting. It is. And I barely would have known that because as we talked about last time, I was suffering with my astrologer identity crisis because I wasn't following any of my transits or any of the transits really for a couple, good couple months, but I've started again. It's been really delightful. And I messaged Dana like, well... Must have been about two weeks ago. And I was like, Dana, today's my lunar return. And I never would have known (laughs) unless I had started following it. Now, we have a lunar return every month. So just like we have a solar return once a year, it's the amount of time it takes for us to go around the sun. Our lunar return, the moon goes through every sign in a month. So that is a really nice opportunity for us to reconnect and we have a fresh start right like we talk about these cycles and I know we keep we I keep joking about January 1st being a new year but honestly with astrology you just have so many chances to try again and start over and begin a new cycle and that's really helpful to someone like me who is not like the best at consistently following through with goals and Mm -hmm. like plans and (laughs) all of that stuff So it's just nice because you know that you always have another chance. Like you don't always have to be perfect and you don't always have to get it right. Like on that exact day or if you like miss a certain transit, like you're never going to have the chance to do it again. You're always going to have another chance. And your lunar return is one of those ways. The other thing that's interesting to look at is your lunar phase return. So it just happens that this full moon in Leo is at the same degree as my natal, but that's not always the case. The full moon in February is not always around my birthday, and that's just because of the different calendars and where the planets are. But in a given month, your lunar return may or may not be at the same time as your lunar phase return. So a really 
fun way to work with the moon that isn't kind of the typical new moon, full moon is personalizing it to wherever the moon returns to the same phase it was in the sky when you were born can also be like your own personal new moon or like a new beginning. So mine may be counterintuitive because a full moon is actually like a new beginning for me. But whether you're born at a waning crescent or a waxing crescent or a gibbous, when it returns back to that phase every month, that's just another chance for you to start a new cycle. So learning about the moon is really useful because as you said, you, we've got these two really cool ways that we can work with the moon to understand ourselves better. When we have our personal lunar return each month, like if your moon is in Gemini, when the moon returns to Gemini, that is your lunar return. We can talk about phasal returns, which is what Lynette was just talking about. If you're born with a waxing crescent, when we have a waxing crescent moon, you can treat that like a new moon for you. But understanding the different phases of the lunar cycle also can help you understand aspects better. And for me, I like to keep it simple. So I, I kind of just tend to focus on the conjunction, sextile, square, trine, and opposition. There are more aspects than that that people work with, and you absolutely could use them. But for example, a, a crescent moon is a square. It's a, it's a square between the sun and the moon. And so understanding what that dynamic is like can be really helpful. Not just in understanding what's going on with you because that's your personal sun moon dynamic, but also anytime there's a square, you know deeply what that's like because that's your personal sun moon dynamic. I hope that made sense. It did to me. And I think the reason why working with your lunar phase is so important is because when we're talking about your lunar phase, we're talking about the relationship between the sun and the moon in your chart. And the sun is our identity and the moon is our emotional landscape. So these are like really core pieces of who we are. And when we understand how they're talking to each other in our natal chart, it can be so validating to understand. And usually when you are like, oh, I, for example, full moon is an opposition. So in my chart, my sun in Aquarius is literally projecting its full light onto my Leo moon and they're connecting in a way where because they're directly opposite each other I have to figure out a way to really choose if I want to interact with my sun or if I want to interact with my moon or like how am I going to integrate those two energies because they're at a polarity and that's just a part of who I am like that's just my natal chart and one of my my gifts, my lessons to learn. Um, like an opposition is not necessarily the easiest energy to work with. Neither is a square. Those are both some of the most rewarding aspects to understand and to learn how to work with. When we talk about astrology, what's your sun, moon, and rising? Like there's a reason why we're talking about those as the first two pieces. So connecting with that lunar phase and really understanding how the two were projecting and interacting with each other, it opens just such a huge door to understanding yourself. So, so true. So true. And I'm excited to see how this full moon plays out for you, Lynette. What's your lunar phase, Dana? Well, I was speaking from experience. So mine is a waxing crescent. I have my sun in Pisces and my moon in Gemini, and I have stelliums in both of those places too. So understanding that I had a square between my sun and my moon also helped me understand, oh, a lot of my placements square each other. So understanding the square for me was very powerful. And 
it made things make a lot of sense, you know, because that friction of a square, I felt that. And over and over again, I'm in square situations where I have to like, I'm, I'm forced to grow, but it feels kind of, uh, rife with conflict perhaps, or, and it's not always that dramatic, but just there's a choice to be made and it facilitates growth, you know? Yeah. It's just a 90 degree angle, which is the same as stairs, which help move us to the next level. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Your optimistic astrologer over here. Yes, we need her. We love her. We need her. Okay, y'all. Well, yeah, have a great February and join us again next month. We will dig into the, what did we say? The action before the clam, after the clam. I don't know. The clam before the shift. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to get into all of that for next month. February is going to be a great month and thank you for joining us. You can find us on our websites and on our Instagram. Lynette, what is your info? Cosmicmoves.com or at cosmic.moves on Instagram. Don't forget the dot. I know. Uh, I'm always a little grumpy when I say the dot. (laughs) (laughs) Rolled her eyes. It's fine. Well, we're we're embracing the dot. I am on Instagram at selfhelpwitch. I'm also on TikTok at selfhelpwitch. I'm not great at showing up on TikTok, but, you know, if you're there, come hang out with me. And then my website is selfhelpwitch.com. We'll see you guys next month. Okay. Bye.